This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chapter 1. Honestly, I loved my childhood. I know a lot of people can't say that. When they think of their childhood, they think of pain, hardship, struggle, or abuse. But my middle-class upbringing in Oklahoma City with married parents and three siblings was nothing I could really complain about. All I could think of is two loving parents who did everything they could to provide for us and make us happy. It was filled with lots of friends, lots of playing, and lots of sports. My mother was one of two, and as long as I was alive, she did not have a regular job. She had the honor and privilege of being a stay-at-home mom. We all know this task is not easy and could argue that staying at home with the kids is much harder work than work itself. But she made it look easy. She was a natural. She loved being a mother. She would always just tell us, I prayed for my son to have a brother and my daughter to have a sister, and that is exactly what she got. Four kids, boy, girl, boy, girl, all two years apart. My dad was one of seven, the entrepreneur and the breadwinner of the family. I don't remember much early on in my childhood, but I just always remember my parents were both always there. I mean, they never really missed anything. They were at every sporting event or gymnastics practice, whatever we had going on, it was us as a family. I think every couple of years, I form and grow new opinions of my family and childhood. If you would have asked me about my upbringing five years ago, I would have had a different answer for you than I do now. When you become more aware of trauma, emotions, and people, you get a clearer picture of what was really going on. So to get you to understand how I found myself in that jail cell, I'll have to tell you how I was programmed from an early age, the tiny moments leading up to it. It wasn't that long ago that the conventional wisdom was that babies were pretty much blobs who didn't think or feel much before they could speak in words around the age of two. The idea that a six-month-old could feel fear or anger, let alone sadness and grief, was preposterous. But thanks to an abundance of research on infancy in the last 30 years, we now know that babies and toddlers are deeply feeling beings. Starting in the early months of life, well before they use words to express themselves, babies have the capacity to experience joy and excitement. They also feel fear, grief, sadness, hopelessness, and anger, emotions that many adults still find it hard to believe or accept that very young children can experience or even be aware of for themselves. I don't have children, but I'm around a lot of parents to know that they think having a happy child means he needs to be happy 
all the time, right? They must be satisfied at all times. Like their emotion is either happy or unhappy, but that is simply not the case. In a book called A General Theory of Love, a brilliant book written by three psychiatrists who talk about how our nervous systems are not self-contained. From earliest childhood, our brains actually link with those of the people close to us in a silent rhythm that alters the very structure of our brains, establishes lifelong emotional patterns, and makes us, in large part, who we are. So being that my mother was at home or with us 24-7, I'm going to talk more about her and our relationship and how a mother or your primary caretaker has the biggest effect on you from an early age and how you actually start programming yourself based on the things you see her or them do and say. My mother always had this idea of the perfect family, even when she was little. She was very stubborn and stern in her ways of looking like everything was fine. She didn't get in trouble. She was the perfect child and scolded anyone for doing anything outside of what was deemed appropriate. At the time, I thought, wow, she is just the best mom. All she wants to do is cook for us. All she wants to do is clean for us. All she wants to do is run errands. All she wants to do is be there for us. And the older I've gotten, I look at this and think, this is bad. This is really bad. She couldn't sit still and just be with herself. She always had to be busy. She always had to make everything shiny and pretty. I never fully grasped this until a couple years ago. So growing up in the most important times of my self-development, of my emotional regulation, and essentially building my character, I'm being shown That being busy is good. Being busy is productive. Don't stop. Don't feel. Just do. She was also very concerned how we look to the outside world. I can't remember a time when my mom let her guard down and was just like, wow, this is hard. You know, like I'm, I'm exhausted. My kids are fighting. My house is a mess or even just saying no to things. It was always a yes. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll cook that for you. So I witnessed her self-sabotaging herself most of the time, putting her needs to the side and never fully expressing what she wanted or felt. She strived for perfection. My dad would always joke with us or me if my mom was being sassy or stubborn. He would say, Kayla, do me a favor, never turn out like your mom. And unfortunately, that is exactly what happened. I remember specific points in elementary school where shame was being built and formed. There were so many instances in my life that would come up, and if it would have been embarrassing or if I would have looked anything other than perfect, Kayla, I would hide it. I would do anything in my power to not let anyone find out. Just, you know, typical, embarrassing elementary school, middle school things. I started my period very early, and I didn't want to tell anyone. I had a boyfriend, in quotes, very early. And that, to me, I can just still remember the feeling of, like, trying to hide it. And we would hold hands secretly, or we would meet um, in the creek outside the house. And, you know, I don't know. It was just always some sort of secret with me some sort of secret. I remember being 
an outgoing kid, but not an authentic kid, if that makes sense. I was always the popular one, but deep down, I knew I wasn't even being myself. I was trying to mold myself into what I thought would be deemed perfect and never show vulnerability because this was what I was being shown and modeled to me. This went on throughout middle school and especially high school. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. High school was when I really started to want to express myself. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to be able to prove I was responsible. It was such a mindfuck, honestly, because my parents were the cool parents whose house you were always welcomed at. My parents loved all my friends, jocks or druggies, so long as I wasn't hanging out around the partiers outside of their supervision. They would love you, and then they would judge you. We could hang out at the house all day in the pool, drinks and snacks being served, but when it came nighttime, it was a curfew and needing to know what I was doing and who I was with at all times. This is when I was really starting to get rebellious and lying really got out of hand for me. I was lying to my parents most of the time. I did not feel like I could tell them the truth. They didn't want to trust me. They wanted to control the narrative of who I was, especially my mom. She manipulated me on multiple occasions. The one that really sticks out the most was when I was about 18 and I had a longtime boyfriend they weren't so fond of, but tolerated him and his friends. She came to me one day claiming he was going around telling everyone we had had sex and that a parent had told her that. She sat me down and specifically said, you can tell me if you have had sex. So with much hesitation, I told her I did. She seemed calm and went on to say, we need to go get you on birth control. I felt good about that interaction at the time. My mom never wanted to really get to know me. She wanted to manipulate every scenario to her opinions and what she wanted. It's like she avoided parts of me she didn't want to see or reveal. So that was her story. A few days later, my boyfriend and some friends had come over as they always did to swim. My mom always had snacks and drinks out, but she was in her room and didn't seem to want to come out. I even went to her door and asked if she would go get us a pizza, as she would usually happily agree to do. She never answered. A few minutes later, I see my dad pull in from work in the middle of the day. I thought it was strange, and I got a really bad feeling. This is how my mother dealt with issues. She doesn't like a situation. She calls my dad to handle it. She hides in fear of dealing with anything on her own, and then let time make it fade away. My dad came bolting in the door, exclaiming that my boyfriend needed to leave the house and never come back in here. What the fuck? I trusted her for the first time ever. She didn't even want my vulnerability. She wanted the control of the situation. This led to the slow stripping away of our relationship and what would be my rebellious years. I refused to mold to their rules in the tiny box they wanted to keep me in. They wanted me to look and act pretty, causing no destruction and being the good Christian girl they tried to raise me to be. 
But by then, I was my own person. I was 18 years old. I had my own thoughts, my own opinions. I wanted to experience things. I was popular and confident back then. I didn't want anyone else telling me what to do. The more I did this, the more they didn't like it. I remember being out late one night, not wanting to go home, but I was past curfew. And I came home to my work clothes and shoes on the porch with all the doors locked to where I couldn't get in. That just really pissed me off, honestly. I stayed at a friend's house and went to work the next day. My mom and I had some really big fights and arguments, all in her pursuit to control me as much as she could. My dad didn't do much except try to break up the fighting and yelling and then trying to calm my mom down so he wouldn't have to deal with the wrath. A pivotal point in my life and relationship with my parents was I had gone back to the house with my best friend, Rachel, I believe, to get some of my things. I think this incident occurred after the locking out situation. For whatever reason, my mom was pissed that I was there. I started to get my things and my mom starts raising hell, yelling at me, yelling at Rachel. I was just trying to get my belongings. A physical altercation occurred and I think I was pushing my mom and Rachel was yelling back at her. The next thing I remember, my oldest brother had pinned me down on the floor and he was hitting and punching me. When I managed to get up and out of the house, I ended up calling the police. The police came and they had to escort me into my own house to get the things I needed. I was hysterical, of course. My dad then came pulling up, clearly knowing what had happened because my mom called him like she always would, putting the responsibility on someone else. One of the last memories of that situation was my dad threw the title of my car over to me that was in his name, which was now in my name, clearly planned and meditated and said, here, you got your wish. Now you have no family. I couldn't grasp what was happening at that time. To me, all I wanted was my parents to let me show them I could be responsible. Let me prove myself to you. Let me show you you can trust me. But they never would let me in that far. It was control and manipulation at all times. So at the age of 18, I was kicked out of my house and I stayed with Rachel and her family. I wanted a new family or no family at all, honestly. Everything was cut off. I was on my own. I had to get my own phone plan, start paying all my bills, and be the adult I always wanted to be. It felt freeing, but if I'm honest, not in a good way. Not in a, I earned this way, in a shameful, hurtful, traumatic way. Looking back, that was trauma. That was severe trauma. But again, it was those little moments that led up to that horrific scene at the house. Lying, not coming home on time, getting caught doing things, which honestly, I got away with way more than they ever knew. And having sex. All these things I could play off as harmful would soon cause a lot of harm. A week went by with zero contact from my family. Then one day I got a text from my dad. I am planning a trip to New York City. Do you want to go? This right here should give you a clear picture on how my family deals with their feelings and emotions. Let time pass. Don't speak about it. Reward with something happy. This is how every scenario would go. Do not talk about what happened. Just move on. He wanted to meet up with me, and so I did. We met up right on the corner of Expressway and Meridian, right next to Lake Hefner. 
I will never forget that moment. It was just him, of course, and we got out of our cars. We hugged and we cried for what felt like 10 minutes. I ended up going to New York City with my family, which I later found out from my dad that my mother was pissed that I got to tag along. Clearly, this is a fresh situation that needed to be talked about, but that wasn't a thing we did in our family. I can't remember exactly how long it was before I ended up moving back in, but my behavior was still the same. Grown-up Kayla. Don't bend to anyone's rules. I ended up getting kicked out again and moved in with my friend Alyssa and her dad, who was freshly divorced and just super nice and fun. I had my own room, and it felt nice to not be so micromanaged all the time. This is kind of where a lot of things get blurry in my life. From being so disassociated with myself from that trauma, a lot of my life was very sporadic. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.